Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Boost here. My name is Ryan, and I would like to thank you guys all for taking the time to listen to my podcasting channel. I'm available to listen to on over 35 different podcasting channels and 10 social media platforms. Today, I am speaking with Amy Dean. Amy Dean is a certified clinical trauma counselor in California and an Ascension coach. She is also a licensed marriage and family therapist, psychotherapist, healer, and writer. She helps driven women struggling with self-criticism and self-worth heal their inner child wounds so they can live an authentic, spiritually awakened life true to their soul's mission. Through her Awakened Living coaching program, she helps she helps women struggling with perfectionism, self-criticism, and heal their inner child wounds so they can step into their life purpose and live a spiritually awakened life. I'm really excited to have Amy Dean here on my podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me and such a great introduction as well. So thank you. Oh, no, no problem at all. I really want to try to share the world and try to share awareness about you because of what you offer and what you bring towards help people and try to bring impact in a positive way. I'm really excited to have the privilege of speaking to you about inner child healing, spiritual awakening, meditation and mindfulness, and much more. I'm really excited to be speaking with you. Yes, me as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no yeah. problem. So we're going to start off with your childhood and we're going to start off about yourself. So can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's see where to begin here. So maybe I can start off with, you know, I've always been a very highly sensitive child. I've always been empathic and just really um, kind of struggled with a lot of anxiety growing up as well and didn't really know what was happening or why I was going through that, but recognized over time that it was because of my highly sensitive nature. And I just was, you know, a little different from other people I knew. And from there, you know, I started discovering a spirituality within myself. So first I, I did grow up Christian and my mom was, you know, a very um, devoted Christian and wanted to make sure that I spent a lot of time in the church. And so I did everything that I was supposed to do. But of course, my teenage self rebe rebelled against it. And I felt, you know what, there's got to be more to life than this. And I had so many questions and so many things that I was trying to understand. And it wasn't until I was probably, you know, in my kind of late teens where I started to discover there were other ways of looking at spirituality. There were other ways of understanding who I am and to get a better idea of what life is really about. Cause I had these big questions at a really young age, like, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? And what am I supposed to be doing? And it was interesting because at a very young age, I knew I was going to be a teacher but I thought it was going to be a teacher in a classroom, right? And so that was my my guess at the time. And I just, you know, decided I was going to, you know, jump into a deeper form of spirituality for myself. And I didn't know what to call it. And I just, you know, started looking at different books. I um, followed Neil Donald Walsh for a while and his Conversations with God book. And that really opened things up for me. Eckhart Tolle, of course, opened things up for me. So I had a lot of amazing teachers in that way. And it helped me to understand that there were other ways of viewing life and viewing my own spirituality. And I felt like I was coming home. 
to myself and felt like I could be more authentic. And from there, I realized this is what life's all about. This is exactly what I need to dive further into. And from there, that's, um, you know, I don't want to go too far into it, of course, before you get to some good questions here. But I'll just tell you that that was where, you know, I would say maybe like when I was 19, 20 years old is when I had my first spiritual awakening experience and discovered that, um, that life isn't really what I thought it was. So yeah, we'll go from there. Very interesting. You want to tell me what happened next with that spiritual awakening? Absolutely. So when I was, I was about 1920, I was sitting, so I was sitting at home and I had a challenging situation with a, um, at the time it was my ex-boyfriend and we were, I was about to move, you know, I thought I was about to move to live with him. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then I got this text message that he was breaking up with me. We had been together for years and years and years. So this was not a, you know, a quick thing, you know, where we'd just been dating a few months. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do here? So I had, of course, this natural feeling of, you know, just crying and feeling completely, you know, just distraught around it. And my whole life I was planning for, for him and for this move. And I just, you know, I got into the car and I started driving. I didn't know where I was going to go. I was living in rural Maryland at the time. And I was in the middle of nowhere, cornfields everywhere. I had no idea what to do. And then it starts raining. And so I pull over because I'm just too upset to be driving. And then I just have this, it's interesting. I just started to just sit with my feelings, sit with what was coming up for me. I was watching the rain pour down over the windshield. And I just had this moment of, you know what? I am I'm not actually limited in this way. And I had this feeling that life is, is a dream in a way. It was like, life is dreamlike. And why am I giving, you know, so much attention to this? It was really interesting. It was like, it was hard to put into words because it was more of a feeling I was having in my body. And, you know, I was going to send like a terrible text message, you know, something, you know, really, really nasty to him because I was so angry at the time. And instead I sent him a text that I wanted him to be happy. And I said, I don't care what that looks like. If it's, you know, you know, ending up with somebody else that is perfectly fine with me. And I couldn't describe this kind of love that I felt for him in that moment. It was so strange. It's like, he just told me he was breaking up with me and a relationship was ending. And I thought maybe I was losing my mind because I was starting to, I felt forgiveness for him. And I had no idea where it came from, but the love was pouring over me. And I just sent him a message, you know, I just wish you the very best. And, you know, it's interesting because after that time, after that experience, we became really good friends later. And, you know, he even had the conversation with me and said, what was that about? <laughs> Where did that come from? That was amazing. And I've never had anybody talk to me in that way before. And it was the first opening I had to the love that I am, to the love that we all are, right? Which is always underneath the emotions that we're feeling in the moment. And from there, it, you know, just helped me see that, wow, life is much deeper than I thought it was. And there's so much more that I need to discover about who I am because I thought I was all these emotions and all these thoughts. But in truth, I'm actually this love because that was more real than anything I had ever felt before in my life. So that was the first big opening for me. And I was like 19 or something like that. But it was, yeah, it was huge. But it gave you a wake yeah. call to kind of realize that, you know, yeah that you're not the center of the world and that yeah. you had to take that time to really identify that this wasn't a healthy relationship yep. and you needed to get out of there yeah. to love yourself and to love who you are. And yeah. it might've been inner child 
uh, failing groups that caused you to get into that situation, right? And I think yeah. that oh, yeah. uh, a lot of people, including myself, I still have yeah. things that cause me anger or cause me things based right. on what happened in my childhood from being bullied, for being sexually assaulted. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, that, yeah. that for myself is something that has affected myself and yeah. affects how I act around people or how I associate with people, right? Of course. There are some strategies or some ways that mm-hmm. people could deal with this inner child healing. Ooh, that's a great question. And yeah, thank you for sharing that so vulnerably as well, because I know this is, it's not an easy topic, right? To talk about these hardships and these challenges that have led us to our inner child wounding. And often it's trauma, right? And trauma is just so just worldwide. Everybody on some level is at some form of trauma, whether it's, you know, you know, smaller trauma or larger trauma, it doesn't matter. It's still trauma. And so as far as healing these inner child wounds, I would say that one of the most important things we need to do is first acknowledge, right? What is coming up for us in the moment? And often it can look like a reactive experience, right? Like in my case, you can get really defensive, right? You might notice defenses coming up. It's kind of like tantrum that tends to happen, right? You know, we're just like, you know, getting really angry and we're about to burst. Like these are experiences of our inner child. So first is acknowledging that an inner child reaction is happening because that does one of two things. First, it helps us to see that we are not that reaction, right? We're not that inner child that's showing up. It's it's only a part of us, right? That's showing up in the moment. And then it also, you know, gives us this sense of leadership, right? We can start to make new choices from that place and decide how we want to, you know, if we want to step into our higher self and make a choice from love, right? Or if we want to, you know, continue on that same path as, as you know, what the inner child wound is showing up as. So that, yeah. So I would say that that's the first thing. Let's acknowledge, right? What's coming up. Let's call it, let's name it what it is. And then another really important step in healing these wounds is self-compassion. And this is, you know, not just one time practicing when you're going through a tough time, but it's every moment when things are tough. It's every moment when the inner child is active, right? To just place your hand on your heart and to just send yourself love because it's often those moments we need love the most and we're least likely to give it to ourselves, right? In those situations. Very interesting, right? It's kind of good to have that understanding to realize that you need to take that time for yourself. You need to love yourself. And a lot of people are very hard on them, very hard on themselves to the point where they're a perfectionist or they they self-criticize themselves. I'm a very big person when it comes to that, right? Like if I'm not good at something, I'll freak out and I'll be like, why am I not good enough? Why did I not get the job? Why is this happening to me? I'm perfect. Like why, why is this happening to me? Right. Right. And, And it's, by you changing that mindset and understanding mm-hmm. that self-love needs to happen first and understanding yes. that there needs to be growth within that in order to succeed within your dreams or your goals, right? Exactly. So why do so why do people tend to have a perfectionist like persona or self-criticize yeah. themselves? Oh, that's a great question. Yes. So if we look at it for a moment and maybe we'll start from the beginning around, you know, how this wounding develops, and then we can talk about how these different, I call these um, sub-personalities, by the way, the perfectionist or the inner critic. And this inner child is, um, and I kind of frame it as an inner child is like in, in your heart all the time, but there's a castle of your heart and there's walls around this castle and this, you know, inner child is like in the center of this castle, right? So it's hard to get to. And sometimes it's a little hard um, or, you know, we feel ashamed too, that we're having those emotions and these feelings. And so it's really hard to get there with the self-love. 
So to start with, you know, as we're growing up, we're constantly, as you mentioned, bullying, right? Or sexual assault and things like that. We're taking in these experiences and they are becoming one with our body. They're becoming one with our experience. And so what's happening is it's accumulative, right? So over time, it's just adding up. It's adding up. It's adding up. I know um, great book, you know, on the topic is the body keeps, you know, keeps the score. And this is, you know, a classic trauma book that helps us understand this. And so what happens is that your inner child is consistently crying out for love and attention throughout this, right? It's wanting that, um, well, it's wanting it from others to be quite honest, because that's what it's always expected. So when others aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, there's a lot of blame or anger towards them. And we hardly ever look towards ourselves and say, well, I'm going to give myself what um, somebody else can't give me in this moment. So that is a challenge for that inner child part to start to make that shift. But in the process, this inner child's looking outward right? Trying to figure out who's going to give me this love that I didn't get, or they might, you know, that inner child might be completely um, just disappointed, scared that it will never happen as well. And so this is all happening in the background. So if, if you can imagine, this makes us really vulnerable, right? I mean, if we are going through our lives in this way, we're really vulnerable to more hurt, to more pain. So what happens is these other subpersonalities develop these perfectionists, this self-critical part of us and so many others, right? I call these other parts, um, you know, like planner parts, achiever parts, parts of us that are trying to keep life under control. And because of that, right, it's trying to keep this inner child wounding from coming up in our everyday life and it will do anything to make that happen. So a perfectionist wants to make sure you never do anything wrong so that you don't have to feel the pain of the past that that wound carries around being a failure or not being enough, right? And so an inner critic is trying to protecting the inner child or, you know, trying to protect the inner child too from this. And, you know, that one is, is kind of like berating that inner child, so to speak, right? And usually it's learned that from someone else, right? That this is how we make things happen. If we're mean to ourselves or if others are mean to us, then we do what we're supposed to do, right? It changes our behavior. So that part has learned that. And same with any other control parts, like an achiever. Well, if I do more and I try to make things happen, then I get praise and people like me and I feel less hurt and I feel less you know, shame in my body. So these are all very protective and they're really great parts, honestly, like in, you know, in as far as helping us to reach levels of success, helping us to, you know, make progress in certain areas of our lives, but it can be, I'm sure you can imagine detrimental to an extent when it's in an unhealthy expression, right? When we're berating ourselves all the time or expecting perfection consistently, it's, um, it's really hard on our nervous system, on our heart, and you know we can't sustain it in the long term. Yeah. Yeah, and it's super interesting to have that understanding that you know you need to take that time for yourself to love your body, to love who you are. If there's a goal that you have to have, you gotta take time away from that in order to make it grow, if that makes sense. Yes. Right. So yes, I think that's super essential where, you know, if you're dealing with mm -hmm. the fact that you are trying to be a perfectionist and something that you're really good at, it's important mm -hmm. to take that step back and reassess yourself and say, Hey, yeah. you know, this is something that maybe I'm really good at, mm -hmm. but I need to take a step back and realize that maybe if mm -hmm. I too self-focused on this, now my emotional health is going to be damaged. My physical health is going to be damaged and everything around me is going to get much worse. Right. And, yeah. and every day when that happens, it keeps escalating. Right. And oh, yeah. like what you oh, just yeah. said, right. 
having the key is it is healthy to have these certain traits, but only at a certain rate. Right. And yes, I think that's super essential. And I think that was a good tip that you said, right? These things are normal. You're human. You're supposed to feel these things. Right. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. if you're doing too much of that one thing, just like anything else, it becomes a very bad habit. Absolutely. It does. And so how would somebody that is suffering within these things, such Mm -hmm. as not being able to be a leader for themselves, not being able to love who they are, Mm -hmm. having no direction or their Mm -hmm. purpose in life, right? What is a way that people can transition themselves successfully in order to make their lives better, if that makes sense? Yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense. You know, I would say I have this process and maybe this will be helpful too. And this is something I'd love to give away to listeners as well. It's a a spiritual awakening guidebook. And in this guidebook, there's an opportunity to track what's coming up. So as I mentioned earlier, right, acknowledgement of what's appearing for us is huge, right? We have to acknowledge. So how do we acknowledge, right? Especially when we might not know hundred percent, right? What's happening. And we're trying to build some awareness around it. And we need that first because self-awareness is going to help us acknowledge, right? What's coming up within us. So there's a tracking journal within the guidebook helps you to look at what are my patterns? What are some things happening for me in mind, body, and spirit that might be really challenging that I might need to look at and be gentle with myself around, of course. And then in this guidebook, there's this opportunity to get to know your parts better, especially around these ego traps that we get into, because we tend to, you know, get into these places of like ruminating too much, worrying too much, you know, this anxiety that we tend to, you know, fall into pretty frequently as well. And so we want to understand that better. So we can understand which parts of us, you know, it's associated with. So that's, you know, one way is to track and to get a pretty clear sense of what's happening for me in the moment, right? What is going on every day? Why is this happening? And then from there, there's this pathway back to love process that I teach. And I'd be happy to, you know, do that with you here if you'd like. And this is a, yeah, I'd love that. yeah it's like a, it's a meditative technique and it's, you know, based on self-compassion. And it's something that I've used for myself and my students have found it really valuable. So if you're up for it, I'd love to take you through them right now. Oh, yeah, that would be a pleasure. That would be awesome. Okay, perfect. Well, this is how it works. It's very simple. It's only a few step process. So you just place your hand on your heart and close your eyes. If, of course, you're in a safe place to do so. And then as you close your eyes and just feeling your hand, maybe it's warm or cool over your heart. Just coming back to being present in the moment. And the true first step of this is to invite beautiful white light into your body. So you just imagine breathing in beautiful, vibrant light and just letting it warm you and helping you to feel more relaxed in your body. Good. And as you're breathing in that beautiful white light, you're breathing out any stress or tension or anything that might be keeping you from feeling grounded in the moment. And that would be step one. And then step two is simply to notice the emotions arising, really being with those emotions and just feeling them. Just maybe even labeling them, if that makes sense. And then as you're labeling them, you might just come to this mantra or affirmation around something like, this is only a wave in the ocean of who I am. 
And again, that's just repeating to yourself, this is only a wave in the ocean of who I am. And that would be step two. And then we move on to step three. And this is where we're just adding some extra kindness for ourselves. And just with your hand on your heart, if it feels safe to do so, just rubbing your hand over your chest because it's very nurturing for your nervous system. And just saying to yourself, I choose to be kind to myself. Or I choose to love myself through this, whatever feels better for you. And then you just notice how you feel. And this could be used in any situation when you're in the midst of an inner child trigger, when there's a challenging situation happening in your life, or whenever you just need to feel more centered and connected to your higher self. Yeah. Wow. It's super cool. (laughs) Interesting, right? Yeah. Like you actually take that time to relax for yourself and just breathe, right? That box breathing method, but also just inhaling and exhaling out. And being able to like go in and just say, hey, relax, relax. Yes, absolutely. Yes, just letting go, right? Yes. I think this is super yeah. interesting. It's a very cool tactic. And uh, it's something that people that can use it in my job and in my career too, right? Oh, it, yeah. It's awesome. A uh, very easy uh-huh. strategy to do. And thank uh-huh. you for showing that. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, thank you. What are some other strategies that you would say that mm-hmm. spiritual awakening, because you're kind of in this, yeah. you're kind of in that field. And so, yeah. how can individuals really raise their spirituality more in a positive way? Not in like yeah. Catholic way, not in a Buddhist way, but more just spirituality wise, like yeah. creating a better self for your, for your well being. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you brought up a really good point around this, which is that, you know, as we're talking about healing the inner child, this is about spiritual awakening. Like this is the next level of that. I teach the six phases of spiritual awakening, which I'd be happy to share. And that might give you an idea as to how we can move through these different phases and and raise our vibration in this way. And so I'd like to think of it like we are all on a spiritual journey, no matter who we are, no matter even if we consider ourselves spiritual but that we're all on this journey together, right? As one human family, so to speak. And so we start off, you know, in this phase one. And of course, these phases are not linear. However, they're just set up in a way that's most common for, you know, some for some people to go through it. So we've got dream sleep, which is phase one. Now, this is where we're on autopilot, right? And life is running us, right? It's like people who come home after a busy day and they're exhausted and they're like, oh, I can't do it again tomorrow, right? But I'm going to because I have to kind of thing. It's like feeling like you're a human machine, right? In many ways and just doing what you have to, right? To get by. And there's little to no awareness, right? Around your patterning, around what's happening for you, around any kind of will to make changes in your life. And that would be phase one. Right. And these are, you know, people we might even know, right? People who are, you know, blaming others for their problems or haven't quite come to this understanding of their own sense of responsibility within themselves. And, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with them or what's happening, you know, in their experience. It's just part of the spiritual growth, you know, that we all have to go through. So that's just phase one. Phase two is what I call the nightmare phase. And this is based on the dark night of the soul. So this is when we are feeling that existential crisis. Like, why am I here? What's going on? Like I mentioned earlier, right? I had a lot of that growing up. And there's this sense of 
just wrongness about life. There's a sense of feeling disconnected or wanting to isolate from others because you're not really fitting the status quo anymore, right? It's like your job doesn't fit you. Your relationships don't fit you. And you're starting to question everything. So this can be an amazing awakening experience for many, right? It can really lead into a higher vibration if we're able to be gentle with ourselves and of course, be open to whatever might happen next as we just open to our experience because it has to, we have to write it out, so to speak, right? We have to be with it. We can't try to make it change. And then we move into phase three, which is all about exploration. So now we're exploring our inner world. Now we're saying, you know, I'm interested in healing. I'm interested in deepening my understanding of spirituality. A lot of people seek out meditation or yoga or or any kind of energy healing in this phase. And I see a lot of counseling and and also coaching clients in this phase too, because they're ready to do the work, right? They're like, I can't go back to phase one or two again. (laughs) You know, they don't want to be there. And so then we've got phase four, which is waking up. Now, this is where you're starting to move into this awakened state. And waking up is something like understanding this sense of oneness within you that connects to everyone else, right? There's a, the separation between you and other human beings are not the same anymore. It's like the gap is closing, so to speak. And in this phase, you know, there's this, you know, sense of altruism. There's a sense of feeling more of a vibrancy, right? Within your heart and within your body, waking up and feeling a sense of joy for no reason. But it's kind of coming and going in this phase. You know, it's not like you're feeling it all the time. It's not like every day feels that way, but you're having these kind of glimpses, right? Of this awakening. And then we move into phase five, which is just truly the awakened state, right? Awakening spiritually. And from here, this is where we are fully ourselves. We are fully seated as our higher self. So we're leading as love in our lives, right? We are choosing peace over war. We are, you know, centered and grounded in what we're doing in the world, no matter what it is we're doing in the world, right? We're in alignment with our highest purpose. And this is just the state I think all human beings are trying to get to, whether or not they know it, right? It's like we're always looking for something and seeking it, whether external or internal. But this is what we're all aiming towards, right? On the deepest level. And then phase six is integration. Now we can we're kind of like flitting back and forth between these phases, right? So you could be in phase three and then you can go into phase six to integrate your experience. And then you can, you know, go back to maybe, or go to phase four as an example, because you integrated and now you're moving, you know, up into the next phase. So integration is just creating a sense of wholeness within our experience. We've processed through what we went through. We have a greater understanding of who we really are as a result of that phase. And then we move into a more higher vibrational phase as we go through that. So, you know, this is pretty organic, I would say for most people, like we don't even know we're doing it almost, right? That we're going through these experiences and trauma can be a big determiner, right? Of whether we, or how we move through the phases, depending on how we're, you know, if we're trying to heal our trauma, if we're, you know, working on it in some way. And as far as how to, you know, raise our vibration to this level, you know, I come back to the self-compassion because if we can be more self-compassionate, then we can open our hearts because our hearts are, that's the portal, right? That's the portal to awakening. And we can love others once we truly know how to love ourselves because that has to happen first, right? We can't go out there. I mean, of course we can try. And I know a lot of us, you know, do that, right? Especially helpers and empaths, you know, wanting to help others because it's very, um, it's very a kind thing to do. 
But first and foremost, right, we have to look at ourselves. And so that helps us raise our vibration in addition to regular meditation practice. I would say every day, you know, for, and, and you know, timing doesn't matter as much as it is about the um, sense of connection that you're feeling to your heart, the sense of groundedness that you're feeling in your sessions. It could be five minutes if that's all it takes for you just to sit in nature, for example, and just look around and be in your experience. And that's perfect. Or it could be, you know, a walking meditation. It could be a sitting meditation where you just listen to the sounds and the space beneath the sounds. So there's so many ways of doing it. And I don't think there's one right way to raise your vibration. I feel like there's several, but I would say that the the toolbox here, right, of tools that, that really are important is self-compassion and meditation for sure. Very interesting advice. Yeah. Throughout this podcast, we've really learned a lot of different strategies and ways on how to be successful within your spiritual health, but also within your mental mm -hmm. health, right? And oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. really amazing to see the growth of mm -hmm. how these strategies can really make people successful. Yeah. Have you used these strategies for yourself in your lifestyle? And yeah. can you talk a little bit about your lifestyle on how you make yourself mm -hmm. happier and more free? Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I do. I am a huge believer that I, you know, kind of have to walk the talk, so to speak. And so my work is every morning before I do anything, I get up and I meditate because I know what's going to happen if I don't. I know the rest of the day is going to float on and I'm going to, you know, at some point make an excuse, right? Or hear that excuse part of me show up and say, no, we don't have time for that. So I will always make that first and foremost. So that's, you know, number one, that's how I lead my inner world, right? Is by starting with that every day. And I also travel, you know, quite frequently. So I'm on the road a lot uh, with my husband and our three fur babies. And we are all over the US and um, planning to go into Canada and Alaska this upcoming year. So that's what brings me joy. Interesting. Yeah. And I love it. I love, um, honestly, nature fuels me. I don't know how to um, explain it. It's like, as soon as I step outside and I'm, you know, in a place where it's just pure wilderness, I'm just taken to this, um, to this place within me where I feel most calm and, and most relaxed. And I think that it leads me back to my higher self and then I'm more creative, which is great and more in tune with others. So it's exciting. Yeah. What made you want to transition from owning a home, like living in a home mm -hmm. and, you know, you stay in one location versus you mm -hmm. being in an RV now and you're traveling with your yeah. husband and your three fur babies. Is it, how is the life? How is it? It's yeah. a very interesting lifestyle. It is absolutely. And you know, I think it was something that I dreamt about for a long time. And it's interesting because way back when I was doing RV sales and customer service and had no idea that this was kind of like, um, it's almost like it was like a reminder or letting me know that this was going to happen in the future, right? This is going to happen sometime in the future. But I had no idea at the time. I just, I really connected to travel. I always did. I always connected to the sense of freedom of being out in open spaces and really enjoying that. And I think it was when, you know, my husband and I decided to move to San Diego and we, you know, we had a friend and a couple other people had said, yeah, we're doing the van life thing and we're going to, you know, try this out. And I was like, people are doing this. And I think that gave me some courage, you know, to know that other people were doing it. And I didn't know a lot of people. I knew like one or two people at the time. And I just turned to my husband and I'll never forget that day. And I said, what? Why can't we do this? Let's just do it. You know, let's get an RV. Let's move to San Diego, maybe stay there for a little while and let's hit the road, you know, and, and travel as much as we can. And he said, 
okay, <laughs> which I love about him. He's like, yeah, let's do it. He was just all for the adventure. And of course we had to sit down and do all the practical side of things and see what does it look like and how are we going to make this happen? And then COVID hit like, right. Um, I would say maybe six months or so after we made our plans and we said, okay, well, everything's going remote anyway. So maybe we can, you know, work with this and, and make this a positive in our lives. And then we hit the road and if the rest is history, it's been a year and a half that we were on the road and we're back in San Diego now and starting our next trip in the new year. What an incredible lifestyle. It's super cool to speak to someone that's like, yeah, I'm living in RD. I'm traveling across the United States. I'm going to Canada soon. I'm doing everything, right? I think that's super special. And yeah. it's a lot about what you practice, right? Getting out and seeing the world and truly yeah. just doing what you love doing. And it was a really big pleasure having you on my podcast to really yeah. gain insight about who you are, but also learning the insight about ways to be successful within your day-to-day -day life, because clearly you are living what you want to live, right? right. And it's really beautiful to see yes. how you just, you got up, you did it, you took the motivation for yourself to actually say, you know, this is something that I want to do. I'm willing yes. to take the certain steps and measures in place to do it. And right. it's really special to see mm -hmm. you go into your transition and follow your dreams. And with your advice and with your key <laughs> details, I think yeah. that a lot of people are going to be very successful because of mm -hmm. you. And I thank you very thank you. much for coming on to my podcast to really gain insight about this because yeah. your lifestyle and what you teach and what you do is really special. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and honestly, this is just, it's such a beautiful thing to share it. It just is, you know, it's one of those things that it's been very private for a while. It was like, we're just out in the middle of nowhere, obviously needing to find internet because we were both, you know, working from the RV, but we were just in our own worlds, you know, doing our own thing. And now that we're, you know, we've come back, we've just been wanting to share more of this with others. And this is just something that, oh gosh, it just warms my heart so much to, to express because, you know, I think hopefully it will help to just inspire people to live their dream life, right? And hopefully for all those listening, right? To just, to know life is short, do what makes you happy, right? Do what makes you happy. I think that's a really big piece of the healing process and in raising our vibration as well. Yeah. Yeah. Living life to the fullest is the key to being happy, right? Exactly. Exactly. And whatever, you know, format that looks like essentially, right? I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Very beautiful. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to Life Boost. And I thank you, Amy Dean, for coming on to my podcast. And thank you all for listening. Thank, thank you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.